0: Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Thank you very much for coming. This evening we'll be continuing our discussion of Shilajiva Goswami's Krishna Sandarbha. We're in the beginning Anachedas. Uh Anuchedas six through twenty-six deals with the uh, presentation of the various Leela avatars. Uh, culminating in the understanding that Krishna is the source of all the Lila avatars. We'll are begin this evening with the 25th Anucheta. Uh, the 22nd avatar, this is the last of the 22 avatars that are presented by Sutta Goswami in the third chapter of the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. So the 22nd avatar, Kalki. Jiva Goswami first quotes the verse from the 3rd chapter. So it's the 25th verse of the 3rd th- chapter. Then, at the conjunction of the yugas, when the kings have mostly become robbers, the lord of the universe will take birth from Vishnuyasa as Kalki. <clears throat> Jiva makes a very short comment at the conjunction of the yugas. Yuga Sanjayam means at the end of Kali Yuga. So Kali Yuga is 432,000 years, of which 5200 have transpired. So according to this verse, Krishna will, uh, Kalki will appear at the end of. Uh, the Yuga, which will be another 400, uh, my gosh, a lot, 428,000 years. But Orion in his commentary makes an interesting point that in all the Yugas there's these beginning portions and end-ending portions of a Yuga, which is 10 percent of the duration of the yuga. So,
1: what is it,
0: 10%? <laughs> the amsa, the beginning part, the first part is ten percent. Uh-huh. So, like in Kali Yuga, um, you know, f- uh, what forty-three thousand, forty-three thousand okay. of the four hundred and thirty-two thousand total yuga t- total uh, years of the yuga is in the beginning part and uh, the same duration at the end. So, then he goes on to to just, again, he's trying to give us some, trying to give some harmony to some of the other currents of thought in modern day, like, you know, this is the age of Aquarius. (laughs) In other words, we're starting at a, it's already becoming glorious and, you know, So, if that 10% is applied at every Yuga, then if we look to the last, to the next Yuga, which would be Satya Yuga, then that beginning period of Satya Yuga would be uh, the Umsa of Satya Yuga, and the duration of that would be 172,000 years. So... That would be like 200,000 years total, the end of, of uh, Kali Yuga and the beginning of Satya Yuga, the, the meeting point, you would say, of the two. So, maybe Kolki's not as far off as we may think he is. He also brings up the fact that some astrologers look at the presentation of the Yugas as, as simply an indicator of different year but they're not to be taken literally. The measurements. Mm. Um, I'm sure there's other acharyas that would would say, well, that's not the fact. Be that as it may, um, there is some room for for some other currents of thought which one may consider in relationship to the yugas and their duration. And as we mentioned in the last discussion, um, I forget the thread or the email exchange, but uh, Swami Tripurari even made a comment very recently. He said this, looking at the yugas as you know, the measurement of time is certainly fine, but you have to understand that's not really the point. The point is the narration of the Bhagavat is where transcendence, eternity, meets, you know, meets our temporary measurement of time. So where the infinite meets the finite then that's really the point that we're to see in the presentation of the Bhagavatam. Not that we're trying to get out of our, out, of, out our, you know, all of our tools and try to, you know, measure everything in relationship. Uh, specifically, I think, now that it it's coming to mind, I believe it's in relationship to an article on the Harmonist and some comments in relationship to that. Uh, some article about uh, archaeological digs, and, you know, well, that doesn't make sense with the Bhagavatam and, you know, they'll come up with different ideas. So, I'll share one little bit of his commentary, which is interesting, and he says it's interesting. He starts this, this paragraph, this is such an Orion Das, an interesting idea to consider, however, is that However, that could harmonize to a certain degree the modern view with that of the tradition is that evolution and devolution are two streams that are running concurrently. Taking the four yugas together as a closed set, devolution, the devolving from such a yuga where everybody's perfect and mindful and fully absorbed in meditation and lives for whatever the duration they they put forth in Bhagavat, what is it? 100,000, 10,000 100,000 10, 100, yeah, 100,000 Yuga, one body 100,000 years in one body gives you time to become a perfect yogi 100 years or less in one body Probably going to make it hard to get to the level of samadhi immediately. It's it, it would be a challenge, to say the least. But such a yoga, U- U- of course, gives more facility. So he says, well, let's. You can also look at this just to try to bring it into modernity, into modern thought, as uh, the 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 evolution uh, and the devolution. Are running concurrently, meaning that the we're going to, back towards Satya Yuga, and Satya Yuga is going towards Kali Yuga concurrently. So where they meet in the middle, you know, and remember where they meet in the middle is not just in the middle of. Treta and Dwarpa Yuga, because the duration of the yugas is different from, uh, what is it? Uh, There's 432,000 in Kali Yuga, and then twice that in Dwarpa Yuga, three times that in Treta Yuga, and four times that. So if you add all the yuga amounts together, you come up to ten. So Kali Yuga is one-tenth and Satchi Yuga is more than that. It would be, you know, uh, 432, 432, 432. So 700, uh, 7 million. So... But as we approach the junction between Kali and the seceding Satya Yuga, there would necessarily have to be a growing number of people whose consciousness is sufficiently evolved to usher in the new age. In other words, there would have to be some some people that are coming to Satya Yuga to populate that age. in the next yuga that would be they would have to have a a higher level of consciousness is the point that he's making so there's also the evolution towards the next satya yuga he's just trying to harmonize and saying yeah there's different ways to look at this and you know we're not so stuck in we don't need to be stuck in this you know linear measurement of time but see it as as a whole unit which it is a whole unit that's continually Reoccurring the four yugas. But isn't um,
1: there a, a partial devol- devol- devol-
0: no? Destruction yeah. at the end of an okay. manvantara. A manvantara Man- is cycle. is seventy one mm-hmm. cycles of the yuga. Oh. Okay, there's. Okay. So that's that's also there, but so the Jiva said that. Blended. Yes, but the Manvantaras do not, according to Jiva Goswami, as he presented uh, I believe in the last U and the last Anucheta, he, he brought it up <clears throat> in relation to the Mutcha Avatar. From this perspective it is not unreasonable to posit an, an evolutionary countercurrent within Kali Yuga that prepares the way for the next Sachi Yuga. At the junction points, point of Kali and Satya, as the junction point is approached, it will be marked by an increasingly acute contention between the forces of light and dark. So, Seems like we the force, the force, may the force be with you. <laughs> <laughs> so that ends. Yiva Goswami's systematic presentation of the 22 uh, avatars. Now he goes on to quote the next two verses from the third chapter of the first canto uh, because they add Sutta Goswami adds in those two verses elaboration on the Lord's avataric descents that weren't mentioned specifically in the list of 22 that he just gave. So he gave the 22 and now his, his discourse goes on. So Jiva begins this 26th anucheda uh, by writing the following before he quotes the verse. Now in order to include all the other avatars not listed above, such as Hari Grieve, Hari Hamsa, Prishni Garba Vibhu, uh, Satyusena, Vikuntha Ajita, uh, Sarva Boma, Visvak Sena, Dharma Sudama, Yogeshwar, Brihad Banu, Sukla, and others. Sri Suta says. So he gives some additional names that we should recognize as avatars. And then he goes on to quote the very next verse from the third chapter from Sutta Goswami. O Dweejas, just as thousands of streams flow from an inexhaustible lake, so also there are countless avatars of Bhagavan Hari, who is the repository of sattva. Jiva Goswami continues his annotation by saying the following. Following. The avatars of Bhagavan Hari are countless asankhya I'm sorry asankhya existing in the thousands sahasrasa the emphatic particle he indicates that this is a well known fact. The avatars are countless because he indeed is Satva nidhi. The treasury nidhi of the potency of self-manifestation, sattva. An illustration for this is provided in the second part of the verse being beginning with yathā. From an inexhaustible lake appear thousands of inexhaustible streams or currents born of the very same nature. Jiva Goswami continues, now he's going to give us get into a little bit of, of uh, a technical understanding of the nature of these different avataric descents. Along, among all the avatars listed above, meaning the 22, those that are partial manifestations, AMSA avatars, are to be distinguished as follows. In those like the Kumaras and Narda, who are invested with particular authority, adhikarita there is an influx of a portion of Bhagavan's potencies, such as Gyan, in the case of the Kumaras, and Bhakti, in the case of Narda. In Prithu and others, like him, there is an influx of a portion of Bhagavan's potency of dynamic action, Kriya Shakti. Sometimes, however, Bhagavan himself enters into a Jiva. This can be understood because such Avaish avatars proclaim, I am indeed Bhagavan. So, of all the listing of avatars, some don't proclaim themselves as Bhagavan, like the Kumars. they don't say they're Bhagavan. Neither does Narada. But there are some uh, that do proclaim that they are God. Meaning that they're really Jivas, but they've been inf- infused with what Jiva says here, Jiva Goswami says here is uh, the potency of dynamic action, or Kriya Shakti, where they feel themselves God, they, that uh, Bhagavan himself enters into the Jiva. So this would also give us some pause for contemplation of Bhakti Rakshak Sridhar Devs Goswami's comments regarding our Srila my spiritual master where he says nichyandanda avesh so he here we have Prabhupada. he has he's been infused with the potency of nichyandanda but interestingly enough even though infused with such potency he never he he shies away from saying his he's bhagavan so he still stays in his mood of devotion. And some would say that this infusion of potency was there not from the very beginning of Prabhupada's manifest appearance, that this potency was, came to him later when he began his preaching mission in the West. Some would say it was always there, but anyway, just something to consider uh, when we hear this empowerment, because when we look to all the to the succession coming from Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, great acharyas coming in our line, but someone who accomplished as much as Prabhupada, who we personally experienced coming to the West, himself gave potency to regular run-of-the-mill jivas to do extraordinary things, and they weren't yet even situated in, in bhakti. Hardly at all. Of course, others would say, well, perhaps they were. Perhaps they came and appeared as jivas at that specific point in time but one would have to also carefully contemplate. I'm just giving you ideas to think about when we talk about this empowerment because I can tell you my experience at the time was I saw Godbrothers of mine who were obviously empowered. Prabhupada even said so of some of them uh, like Triparari Swami you know, he's the incarnation of book distribution. I didn't show distribution was a potency of the supreme, but obviously it was, because incarnation means descending from above. So, but the reason we could see And the reason I'd give you to think about it carefully is after Prabhupada's manifest presence, after he left, some of that empowerment obviously left those who were empowered during his manifest mission, when he was in the mission, when he was here with the devotees, devotees were empowered when he left the power left but then again we have to consider also the position of Arjuna when Krishna left Arjuna lost all his power but he was still Arjuna but this we can see in certain devotees empowerment and sometimes that empowerment is very very pronounced and that's the point being made here we may see it in a very small degree. We may see it in a greater degree. We may see it to the degree that Sutta Goswami is using as exemplars of this avataric descent, like in Anarda or in the Kamars, Dave. So all these, they were so pronounced in their display of spiritual Shaktis, either in a limited or a greater capacity, that they made it into the, into the Puranic texts, into the histories of, of great devotees or great displays of spirituality in human society. So therefore their, their sutta picked, picked a few and put them in a list and presented them at the beginning of his discourse. And his responses to the sages of Namasharanya. Jiva Goswami continues On the other hand, Sri Machadeva and others like him are direct portions, Saksad Amsa, of Bhagavan. In this regard, it is to be understood that the word portion, Amsa, here indicates that although they are directly Bhagavan, yet because they are subordinate to his infallible will. The potency manifested by them is at all times only a singular part of his complete potency. Examples will be cited later such as in Brahma Samhita five hundred thirty nine. Bhagavan Sri Krishna is situated in forms such as Rama, though partial limitations I'm sorry, through partial limitations of his complete power. So again, back to the explanation that was given earlier, just to keep all this in a, in a, in a uh, package that we can kind of conceive of. The original form of the Lord is Swayam Rupa, and that's Krishna himself. Then we have the Tad Akatma Rupa forms of the Lord, direct expansions. Uh, they have the same swarupa as Krishna, the same basic nature of of the Lord, um, but they have they have different appearances. And of those Tade Katma Rupa there are two distinctions. The Vilas forms almost as powerful like Vasudev, and Swamsa a little less powerful, like macha. So these Tade Katma Rupa are Bhagavan himself, and they have his same nature. They and they display either greater or lesser of the potencies of the supreme. Then you have the avesh, uh, enlightened jivas with some aspects of his potency, like Narada, like the Kumars, like a Rishav Dave, where he's actually he has such a infusion of, of the potency of Krishna that he's, he can say on Bhagavan. A little bit from the commentary, there are two types of Avesh empowerment, one being an Avesh of some particular potency of Bhagavan, and the other an Avesh of Bhagavan himself. In the second case, the avatar proclaims himself to be Bhagavan, as seen in the case of Rishabdev, And that uh, he quotes a verse from the fifth canto. Dave says the following, Therefore, as long as one is bereft of love for me, Sri Vasudev, he is certainly not delivered from identification with material embodiment. If we look at other traditions, if we look at Christianity also, we have statements. If, we, if, uh, if we're to accept Lord Jesus Christ as, as a, an Avesh. Uh, Srila Prabhupada distinguish him, distinguished him um, on a few occasions as a Saktavish, Avatar. But we notice in the discourse that's recorded and coming forward in history that sometimes he proclaimed himself God and sometimes he proclaimed himself the Son of God. So... It's not that it's limited to one one tradition because that's what this whole verse is about. Uncountable from an, from an unlimited, countless avatars from an inexhaustible lake just as the, the streams uh, are coming from an inexhaustible lake Thousands of streams flow, an inexhaustible amount of avatars. So, 22 is just just the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, to give us some insight into the nature of the Lord's descents. We go forward to the next Anucheta, the 27th Anucheta, uh, the Vibhutis of the Purusha. Jiva Swami begins by saying, Thereafter, Sri Sutta describes the manifestations of lesser power, vibhutis. So, we've talked about the avatars, we've talked about, you know, the amsas. Now, let's talk about other infusions of the Lord's Swarup Shakti within the material nature. Then he quotes the next verse from the third chapter. Sutta says, the sages, the Manus, the Devas, the sons of Manu, the powerful beings, and the Prajapatis are all Kalas, minute portions of Sri Hari. Jiva Goswami continues, the word Kala, a minute portion, here means of a Bhuti, of, of a specific potency of the Lord. When a lesser power is manifest, it is called a Bhuti. And when greater power is manifest, it is called an Avesh. This is the difference between these two. So therefore, uh, in the commentary it mentions, and we can see, uh, it's possible for a jiva to be either an Avesh or a vibhuti, of Bhagavan. In the Gita, Krishna sums up the distinction of vibhutis with the following statement then we quote from the 10th chapter of the bhagavad gita whatsoever in existence is glorious vibhuti-mat, opulent or powerful know that indeed to be manifested from a portion of my splendor like the avatars the vibhutis of bhagavan are innumerable yajad vibhutimat satvam Shimad urjitam eva va Tat-tad-eva-gacā-tvām, gaccha tvam mama Tejo, risha Sambhavām. And now we will continue to the 28th Anucheta. The 28th and the twenty ninth Anucheta deal specifically with the 28th verse of the 3rd chapter. Iti Chamsa Kalapumsa, Krishna Bhagavan Swayam, Indrani Vyakulam Lokam Ridayanti Yuge Yuge. All avatars mentioned and not mentioned here, who are portions of Mahavishnu or empowered Jivas create happiness in the world whenever it is afflicted by the demons and their ideas. But Krishna is the ultimate form of Bhagavan. So now we're at the, at the Parivash Sutra of the Srimad Bhagavatam and the main verse from the Bhagavatam which, upon which the Krishna Sandharva is presented, this idea of Krishnastu Bhagavan Swayam. So the 28th Anuchetas is uh, subdivided into four parts, and we'll begin with the first one. Krishna is the Avatari. Jiva Goswami writes here, In this way, having ascertained the identity of Paramatma, along with his parts, Sri Suta now identifies Sri Bhagavan by his form, akara, by the explicit display of his complete power, after summarizing what he has already stated. All these are either portions, amsas, or minute portions, kalas, of the Purusha, but Krishna alone is Bhagavan himself. Now he proceeds to give us a detailed explanation of the verse, the 28th verse of the third chapter. The pronoun, E.T., all these, refers to the avatars previously mentioned in the verses above. So Eti Chamsa Kala Pumsa The word Sha and implies the inclusion of those avatars etc that have not been specifically named Iti chamsa kala All these are the umsas and kalas of the first Purusha Pumsa described in verse one three one, the first verse of the third chapter. Some are themselves portions, Amsa. These are of two types, direct portion, Saksad Amsa, and two, portions of portions, Amsamsa. Some are portions due to being infused by other portions, whereas others are Kalas, or in other words, Vibhutis, displays of lesser power. Sri Krishna, however, who has been counted as the twentieth avatar in the list, is Bhagavan. He alone is that very same Bhagavan who is the original source, of avatari, even of the Purusha, as mentioned in 131 again. Srimad Bhagavatam. As we mentioned earlier in our discussions coming into Krishna Sandarva, this is not widely accepted this idea of Krishna's to Bhagavad Swayam. Even the idea of this verse being the Parivasa Sutra, the key to the whole Bhagavatam, is not widely accepted in the Vaishnava community. In the Gaudi community, no problem. But in the Vaishnava community, Problem. But generally, Krishna is looked at as just another avataric descent of the Supreme. He's seen as a manifestation of, as all the other avatars, simply an expansion of the Purusha. And we've seen in our discussion that the Purusha manifestation that is considered the source of the avatars. Is dif- presented differently, but basically, whether they could, s- whether you say it's all the avatars are coming through Mahavishnu, well, that's not wrong because Mahavishnu is the source of all the Garbodaksha Vishnu's that are within each individual universe. Well, to say that Garbodaksha Vishnu is the source of all the avatars, all the avatars are coming through him, well, that's not wrong, because in any specific universe, they're coming through Garbhodakshai Vishnu. And also, sometimes they even say that the avatars are coming through Aniruda. Well, Aniruda sometimes is considered Kashirodakshai Vishnu. So all the avatars are coming through Kashirodakshai Vishnu. However you look at it, there is a general understanding that Krishna is the same as the other other avatars. So this idea is going to be presented by Jiva Goswami in his typical fashion of pounding the post Mm -hmm. to make sure that we get the point that Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan the Amsi or the source of all other manifestations of Godhead or Krishna, the supreme personality of Godhead. So Jiva goes on. So to us, we've been like, yeah, well that's, Krishna, what do you mean? Krishna is not the original God. He is the original God. But fact of the matter is, Jiva has to prove that in the beginning of this Krishna Sandarva in different ways in order to have some good effect on the overall understanding of his Sandarvas. So he has an audience. His audience is not Current, the current community or the current culture of Krishna consciousness in the Western world that doesn't even begin to, to bring up the question of, well, is Krishna just another incarnation? And Narayan's really God. So everything's coming through the Purusha aspect of Lakshmi Narayan. Jiva continues, in the above verse, by the principle, the predicate should not be stated without specifying the subject. The characteristic of being Bhagavan, Bhagavata, Bhagavata the predicate is established as belonging specifically to Krishna, the subject, and not the reverse that the characteristics of being Krishna, Krishnatva, is established of of Bhagavan. Consequently, because Sri Krishna alone has been determined as being the repository of the characteristics of being Bhagavan, it is thereby proven that he is the original source, Avatari, of all avatars, and not merely a manifestation of the Purusha. Sutta expresses this very fact, by the word Swayam, himself, which is to say that he is Bhagavan in and of himself, not because he has appeared from Bhagavan, nor because of the superimposition, adjashya, of Godhood upon him. So, interesting comments from the commentary here before we close out the evening. Uh, this verse, Iti chamsakala Pumsa Krishna Stu Bhagavan Swayam, and the Vedanti verse, the Vedanti Tat Tatva Vidas, Tatva Myas Gyanamadvayam, which is discussed in the previous three books, forms the foundation of Gaudiya theology. These two verses, the Vedanti verse and 328, Iti Chamsa Kalapupsa, Krishnastu Bhagavan Swayam. Therefore, Sri Jiva Goswami minutely analyzes this verse in systematic fashion. Now we'll get into a little bit of the detail that makes up the understanding uh, from the commentary. In the verse under discussion, the pron- pronoun et these refers to the nouns from the preceding verses. So the verse begins et chamsa kala pumsa. So et. These et meaning these means all the twenty-two specific avatars that are mentioned by Sutta, and the other the other verses that give information that first they're unlimited manifestations of avatars with it coming into the universe from. Just like rivulets from a never-ending pond, and, and the fact that even the vibhūtis of the Lord, kalas, when they manifest, we should, they should be seen for what they are. They are a, just a particle of Krishna's splendor. And he, in, he infuses those different potencies... In different, um, I guess we'd say high-ranking officials within material in, in the in material management positions, the devas, and so forth. So these refers to all those preceding verses, all those different manifestations of the Supreme. Uh, It includes all the avatars and vibhutis listed in verses 1, 3, 6 through 27. The word cha and iti chamsa, cha, refers to the avatars and vibhutis not mentioned in these verses. Don't leave any... If I didn't mention specifically iti chamsa, the cha... That means all the others. So it um, includes them all. Iti Chamsa refers to the avatars that we didn't even mention. We didn't get to them. Thus, these two words together encompass all types of avatars and vibhutis. The next compound is Amsakala, meaning portions and displays of lesser power, vibhutis. Pumsa here means of the Supreme Person. It is the genitive singular of the word Puman. Puman and Purusha are synonymous. So all these potencies are come, coming through the Purusha or that aspect of the Supreme that manifests the material cosmos. So Pumsa. Human, synonymous with Purusha. Here the comprehensive meaning of the first quarter of the verse, iti chamsa kala pumsa. These avatars and vibhutis listed above in verses one, three, six through twenty-seven, as well as all those that are unmentioned, are either amsa's or kala's of the Purusha. This is the complete sentence that doesn't depend on any part of the remaining verse to convey its meaning. So we can take that out of the sloka, and it stands on its own. Iti chamsa kalah pumsa stands on its own in the verse 328. So we can take it out by itself, and what it means is all the various manifestations of the avatars and the potencies of the Supreme that descend into the material manifestation through the Purusha aspect of the Supreme, Paramatma. The second quarter of the verse, Krishnastu Bhagavan Swayam, forms a separate sentence Krishna, however, is Bhagavan himself. It's the translation. The indeclinable to, but, or, however, is used to indicate a change in topic or contrast with what was stated immediately before. So this is just a Sanskrit lesson here. So now, just when you see to, Krishna's two, we're, we're making a change here. This is a new statement. <clears throat> so the other statement set aside, now we're on to something new with two. Previously, the discussion was about the avatars and vibhutis. Now, in this sentence, the topic shifts to the identification of Sri Bhagavan, who accepted the form of the Purusha for the sake of evolving the cosmos as stated in the first verse of this series, Anoche to one of the third. We can go back and look at that. Uh, the first verse is as follows. Sutta said, First of all, the Supreme Lord accepted the form of the eternal first Purusha, full like the moon, for creating the universe from Mahatattva and other elements. It's the English of the first verse in the third chapter. So that's what's being referred to here. The very same Krishna who was counted as the twentieth avatar is Bhagavan himself. This Bhagavan is the original source Avatari of the Purusha, who is in turn the repository of all other avatars. So there's Krishna there's the Purusha, and then there's everybody else, all the other avatars coming into the universe, with some minor exceptions, which we will get into as the, the book unfolds. Jiva Goswami specif- specifies that the statement Krishna, Stu, Bhagavan, Swayam is to be translated as Krishna, however, is Swayam, Bhagavan, and not Swayam Bhagavan, however, is Krishna. The reason for this is that according to Sanskrit grammatical theory, a nominal sentence contains two parts, namely the subject and the predicate. The subject, the repetition of an idea or notion previously laid down, is something that is already known stated or given, whereas the predicate, that which is to be established, provides additional information about the subject. Generally, a subject is known first. The reader knows what the subject is. And then the predicate gives us more information about the subject. That's, again, Sanskrit grammatical presentation of ideas in specific sentences, which the science of Sanskrit is, uh, if you're young, take it up. <laughs> uh, so, therefore, the rule is to state, is not to state the predicate without its known subject. So you don't give a predicate, you don't explain if you don't first state what you're explaining. That makes sense. So, in Sanskrit sentences where the word order is reversed one can still distinguish the subject from the predicate by recognizing which part of the sentence is known and which contains new information. What's coming out here is when we say Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan, the known subject is Krishna because he was already mentioned as the 20th avatar. So he's already been introduced in the dialogue, is the point that Jiva's made here and pointing out. He's already been established. He's an avatar. He's he's a manifestation of the Supreme. Now we're going on, and we're going to give some more information about that personality. Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. He's the original form of the Supreme. So Swayam... Just for information, Swayam means in and of himself. So there's no other Krishna, Stu, Bhagavan, Swayam. Swayam, in and of himself, he is Bhagavan. There's no other influence required for him. Like the avatar, well, you have to, the other avatars are coming through the Purusha avatars the Purusha. So they're all considered manifestations of the Purusha. But Krishna's too, Bhagavan Swayam, by the word Swayam, we're saying he's his own source. Uh, Not really. He is of himself. Other things that we've already gone over, we'll just finish with these. Furthermore, he is not Bhagavan because of the superimposition of an Apati on Maya. Uh, as proposed by the duet of Audits. So we can go back into that discussion if anybody isn't perfectly clear that really the Supreme Lord is not a potty. It's not an imposition of the mode of goodness on spiritual substance that produces God which is the Adwaitan concept. And really, it's, an, it's, it's, it's a false imposition. It's an party The quality of being Bhagavan is intrinsic to its nature and not a super imposition. So that concludes the first subsection of the 28th Anucheta, dealing with the Twenty-eighth verse of the third chapter of the first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam so we'll continue in our next discussion with the there's three additional subsections dealing with with the verse itself and then I believe there's seven subsections dealing with the fact of this p- specific verse being viewed by the Gaudias as the parivash Sutra, the key that allows us to lock, unlock the full meaning of the Bhagavat Purana. Any questions? Yes. Two, one of them is the people
1: who think that the, the Vaishnavas that think that Krishna is simply an incarnation, an avatar, um, do they not know about the unmanifest leelas? You know, do they not know that Krishna exists beyond...
0: Do they things? know anything of Krishna's existence... Beyond the presentation of a of a avatar who descended and played as a young boy yeah. in Vraj? Yeah. no. Okay. So,
1: well, unless the to that is why not? Why don't they know
0: that? Like we know, why don't they know it? Well, their their ideal is Narayan. Now they may see Lakshmi Narayan. They may see that Krishna is an avatar of Narayan, and if if Narayan wants to experience, he can, of course, you know, manifest himself in any of a myriad of different forms, just as he does as the different avataric descents, but their ideal... For the most part, I'm not familiar with the ideals of all the Sampratayas specifically, but the ideal of Lakshmi Narayan would be that the highest manifestation in Vaikuntha is their domain, would be that those lokas where Lakshmi Narayan. Now, what their conception of is regarding Vaikuntha in general, they do not. They're not going to accept Goloka as being the central world of the lotus, which is the complete manifestation of Vaikuntha. The center of their Vaikuntha is Lakshmi and Narayan, not Radha Krishna in in Goloka. Does that help? Yeah
1: now we don't
0: accept the Brahma, Bhimau, and lila. they accept the leelas as presented but again they they accept the fact that narayan manifested as krishna one of one of the aspects of narayan was krishna who played in raj and then and delivered the bhagavad gita and went to dwarka it makes
1: sense the vimohan lila even makes sense more because krishna showed his Vishnu forms as if, look, I'm actually Vishnu.
0: Yeah, they that can of course make
1: sense to them. Yeah.
0: But there were so many Vishnu forms, not just one. Yes, yeah, so Vishnu. they understand that Vishnu. There's millions of universes. It's not that they discount the fact that there's many of u- millions of universes. So there's millions of Vishnu's, and Krishna displayed those millions. But Krishna is just a manifestation okay, so. of Narayan. Bhagavan Narayan.
1: My second question is um, you were, you know, the whole grammatical thing about um, Krishna is however Swayam Bhagavan Mm and not Swayam Bhagavan is however Krishna. Mm -hmm. Why is that distinction, why is that why is there any importance in that, knowing which is the subject and which is the
0: predicate? of Sutta Goswami's presentation uh-huh. none of the the terminology Swayam Bhagavan did not even come up. Right. In his whole presentation, he's he's given this discussion to the sages of sharanya and he's just talking about the avataric descents of the Supreme. So the idea of Swayam Bhagavan has not been introduced. The idea of Krishna has been introduced. Now he's going on to clarify what give more import to Krishna and point out that actually Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan. So your question is why not
1: and what's
0: the, Swayam Bhagavan is Krishna. And
1: what's the why point this out? Okay.
0: Because you already know Krishna. You're sitting there and you're listening to Sutta Goswami speak to you, you're a sage of Namasaranya and you're listening and he's enlightening you. So he's enlightening you by first presenting names of all the different avatars. So one of the names he says is Krishna. So now you know there's a Krishna. One of the avatars is Krishna. Then he goes on to clarify the subject Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan, Krishna's Stu Bhagavan Swayam. He is distinguished from all the other avatars that we've discussed. Because you don't know Swayam Bhagavan yet, he hasn't even brought that subject up, so you as a listener have heard Krishna. You haven't heard Swayam Bhagavan, so now he's making a distinction, and then he's going to go on to explain what that means. What's Bhagavan mean? What's Swayam Bhagavan? Yes?
1: I I, this is on a different topic. I, I, uh, the last class we talked, Buddha was counted as a Leela avatar, right? I think, but then, but I thought he was an Avesh avatar. So then I was kind of confused about what is it, what
0: constitute, what makes someone a Leela avatar. That's just the way. I mean, all of these are Leela avatars. Mm,
1: okay.
0: They're all they're all the Lord's Leela in relationship to the material manifestation. Is
1: there another kind of avatar
0: that's not a Leela avatar? Well, there's Purusha avatars, there's Guna avatars, and there's Leela avatars, and there's Manvantaras, who are also avatars, and uh, uh, Yuga avatars, which I think Yuga avatar would also be a Lila avatar. Yeah. All
1: right. I was just a little confused there.
0: Yeah. All those, all that we've heard here is are referred to as Lila avatars Mm -hmm. by Sutta, because that was the question that the sages put before him. How does the Lord descend and play in the material world? Yes?
1: Uh, Could you, like, uh, explain again what you meant there in the beginning? I didn't understand about, like, Satya Yuga, Kali Yuga, and how, actually, uh, yeah, I didn't follow that part.
0: Well, it's kind of hard to follow, because we're, we're trying to look to a way to just to give us a a sense of the fact that you can look at these measurements of time in a more relaxed way than with your ruler. Mm-hmm. And if you look at that, then Satya Yuga, the greatest age, is gradually declining to the end of Kali Yuga, but simultaneously there is the the beginning of another satya yuga mm-hmm. there's some overlapping in the lightness and the darkness of these yugas that's going on oh, that's nice. so it's like you know maybe you can see something like an infinity they're they're overlapping and the you know what was light is becoming dark but what was dark is going to become light mm-hmm. So if we look at it that way, then it's not so... It's just he's trying to give us, the author of the book, the current commentator, Sachin Orion Das, is trying to give us some insight into the fact that we can harmonize in some way other ideas that may be in the current trends of thought regarding the progression of time. And, and we can present it in such a way that the culture of today may be more open to accepting because they have a hard time with, I mean, they it, it is. It's a, it, You have to be surrendered to the authority of Shastra to be able to say, well, really everything was, was perfect in such a yuga and now it's declining. Even the idea that there's other yugas is like, that in and of itself is, what do you mean, other yugas? There was the dinosaurs, and then gradually they, first there was the little, uh, you know, fishies or whatever, uh, crawling fish, and then they came out, and then there was, you know, little animals, and they have a whole idea of evolution that doesn't fit in. Our idea of evolution is (laughs) Brahma had a template which he received from Krishna, and then he made all the different bodies and he first came progenitors, and from the progenitors, all these different species of life came. The modern people were like, What? No, the species of life evolved one after another. And our idea is no, the species of life came from different progenitors. Read the Bhagavatam, we have a different idea. But the idea of presenting spirituality in you know in the modern time we want to do it in such a way that it's it fit it's it's a comfortable fit in the beginning mm-hmm. and we may actually see that in order to make it fit comfortably and convey the message to get people to to come that we may even say things that aren't ontologically accurate or in a certain climate of Vaishnavism at a certain period of time where there's been a current that's been in opposition to the objective, we may say something like, well, you're all, your your relationship with the Supreme has, is established. Every jiva has an in, inborn relationship. Because maybe there's some gurus that People, sadhus, putting themselves forward as, as authorized that are simply trying to give you your citadea for some dakshin. So they, oh no, no, you don't need to go to them. It's already. Just let find a bona fide guru and let him nourish what's already there in your heart. So, it's fine. It works for a time. It may be necessary for a time. You may be in a situation like Ajiva Goswami. But Ajiva Goswami, you have a current where Gaudiya Vaishnava is, we're not going to accept a god who has the characteristic in his leela of exploiting young women who are married. We can't accept that as the ideal for god. So, this Krishna we can't accept. Here we have Jiva trying to present Krishna to Bhagavan Swayam. Whoa, wait a minute. It's a big. So, no, he is married. Ultimately, he's married. He just pretends not to be married. And then there's explanations. But the fact of the matter is, from a Rasic point of view, there is some relish there. And so we may have to keep that hidden. Even now, I see contemporary Vaishnavas, You know, they, their guru says, "Well, you know, inherency. That's it's all inherency." But it doesn't fit with so many other significant ontological points that that are core to our understanding of 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 Gyan. It doesn't fit with so many things. Let's look at it and see it for what it is. We may have to, as that commentary. It's a little, it's a little soft. It's like, yeah, it's all, let's let's just get along. This is the age of Aquarius, and <laughs> you know, let's just get, all get along and and uh, you know, chant Hare Krishna. That's a beginning. It's not hard and fast. this, Measuring in this planetaries and fourteen divisions of planets, and unlimited this and Brahmas and if you believe in evolution, okay, let's start there. If you believe that that you fell from the Garden of Eden, then you were with Krishna in the Garden of Eden. And you fell from there. Let's start there. If it works, good. Later there may be some clarification required in order to understand the ontological realities of the Tattvas that make up the teachings of the Sampradaya the Siddhanta yes um,
1: um, yeah I wanted to ask also Shakti Aveshavat uh, is like described via like Prabhupada and there is like uh, in Sri Guru and His Grace like Sri, Sri described the Guru to have this inspired side and the Vaishnava side, so it's like a devotee, but also Nityananda, uh, the Guru Tattva is like that. So, like, could you say that every disciple sees his
0: or her Guru like,
1: absolutely. Uh, like a Shakti Veshavati?
0: Oh, absolutely, yes.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, that's how we're... He doesn't have a material body. Yeah, That means he must have a spiritual body. Mm. You know? And uh, we see like that. And he is. Mm. It's not false, false seeing, mm. it's real seeing, yes.
1: Um,
0: would you say that um, Jibya Swami is, is making a case for, like he's preaching here, is like he's making a case for Gaudiya Rationalism? Or would you say he's trying to convince, trying to preach to convince others to become Gaudiya Well, in the beginning of the whole presentation, at the beginning of the Tattva Dharma, he says this presentation is for is for you know the Gaudiya community. So it's it's meant to root us in in the proper sadanta. So he he specifies that if you're not really willing to accept Bhagavatam, and you know you're gonna have a hard time with this text. But that doesn't mean that i mean the the nature of our sadh outreach Golokera prema Harinam, sankirtan lord chaitanya came to give out a fruit of Prem. bhakti wasn't available before so we are an outreach community so jivan jivas preaching preaching to the choir but by the preaching to the choir he's making he's giving the choir a foundation where they can go out and spread this knowledge even more of course there's, everybody's going to anybody that, that is even scholarly they read Jiva Goswami and are amazed by his contribution alright I'll stop there thank you so much for your association